For over 5,000 years of documented history, people have been using the cannabis plant as medicine. From ancient Chinese medical journals to the modern day dispensaries, cannabis and its many medical uses have found their way to every continent on earth. Today, as the prohibition against this plant is slowly being lifted around the world and our technological capacity grows exponentially, we finally have the opportunity to discover what this plant is truly capable of. Please join me, Matthew Myro, as I speak with the remarkable innovators working at the cutting edge of these discoveries. This is the Edge of Cannabis Medicine. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast. You know you're here because this is the place to be if you want to learn as much as possible about cannabis medicine. I'm talking to doctors and researchers and cultivators and entrepreneurs and basically anybody who's doing really cool stuff in this space that has some incredible wisdom that I can share with you, my wonderful listeners. And if you have not had a chance yet and you're enjoying this content, make sure you go to wherever it is that you're listening to this and leave me a rating. It helps get more ears on this show. And you know that if you're listening to this, you're probably some kind of advocate for cannabis medicine. And the more people can know about this medicine, the more people can understand about how powerful it is and how life-changing it is, the better off we all are. So please go leave that rating and hit me up, Matthew at edgeofcannabismedicine.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas about guests, if you want to tell me about what you think of the show, whatever it is, you just want to say, hey, that's cool with me too. I'd love to hear from you. I'll definitely get right back to you. And I want to be able to keep bringing you incredible guests like today's Eric Melzer and David Miller. They are the heads of Flow Gardens, which is a really cool company out of Tennessee. They're growing beautiful flower and it's really high CBD, no THC. That's why they can get away with this in a state like Tennessee that has no laws for medical cannabis or recreational adult use, none whatsoever on the books. So they are in a very cool niche and their product is truly amazing. They sent me some samples. I was blown away. The quality, the smell, the taste, everything about it, amazing. And you can get it delivered right to your door perfectly legally. You're going to want to hear what these guys have to say. So let's jump right in. Enjoy this interview with Eric and David. Hi, I'm Matthew Myro, and this is the Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast, and today I'm joined by two guests, which is always fun to do, Eric Melzer and David Miller. Randomly through a family friend, two seasoned entrepreneurs were first introduced at the perfect time. Melzer had just started his new cannabis cultivation company that was exploding with growth, while Miller was selling his business of 15 years, seeking to find a more passionate life purpose. Melzer had been a technically savvy cultivator for decades, and Miller ran sales and operations in corporate America for 20 years. Combining these operational and cultivation skills, their yin-yang approach to cannabis has created a strategy and business plan focused on quality, health, and wellness. We love that here on the show. There is a special leadership factor you'll learn by listening to their two different dynamics, and it's exactly what the cannabis industry demands. 
So let's talk about that a little more. Welcome, Eric. Welcome, David. Happy to finally get through all the quirks and complications, and we're doing it. Thank you, Mandy. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Yeah, great. So, you know, this goes into just a little bit of how the two of you started this, but it, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the Genesis story of Flow Gardens. Like, how did this really all come to happen? Okay, yeah. So, uh, started this company a little more than two years ago. Uh, my business partner, Steve and Amit, who own Horticulture Lighting Group and manufacture LED lights for the industry, uh, came to me and wanted me to build kind of an R&D facility for them to not only test their grow lights, but for us to test different growing methods of growing the plant. And that's how it all began. And it actually was just going to be one room. And then we just kept building on and on and growing more. So now we have six different flower rooms, all doing different growing methods. So it's kind Great. of long and short. Yeah. What kind of square footage are you working with? Uh, right around 13,000 under uh, roof there. Great. That's a good size. Uh, just so you know, I, I have a background in cultivation. I started in 2004 in California and spent 15 years as a cultivator in all levels and nursery, flower, cult, cult, like acting as a consultant, whatever, you name it. I was doing it through the kind of the birthing process of the whole industry out there. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. Cultivate. So it says you have a lot of years of experience as a cultivator. Is that specifically with cannabis or other plants too? Uh, a little bit of everything. You know, I started growing cannabis back in 94. So it's been about 26 years or so. But on and off, I've, I've done farmer's market. I've had, you know, we grow tomatoes, all kind of plants. I just like growing, period. <laughs> yeah. And then, then, David, what got you involved? Just wanted to simplify my life. I, you know, been cranking out 60, 80 hours a week working for well over, um, a decade and a half and, um, wanted to relocate back to Tennessee where I'm originally from. I was in Atlanta for, uh, about two decades and took a look, hard look at myself and said, what am I doing now? What do I love doing? And I was really good at what I was doing, but it wasn't really a passion. Um, and, uh, cannabis is something that's pretty personal from, uh, from a lot of different uh, perspectives and some I really believe in. So I met Eric through a family friends and been about, it took me about a year to get up here, but, um, but I'm finally up here now and, you know, doing what I love cultivating health and happiness is our purpose. So that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah. I love that. So you're in Tennessee which doesn't currently have any medical cannabis laws on its books, adult use or medical, none, none of it. And you are growing flower in a facility. So what, I mean, and obviously the, the hemp act helped to push these types of things along, but I mean, what's the process like? I mean, what, I mean, it's, you sent me some flower and it is gorgeous. It is sticky. It is stinky. It could pass for super high THC flower if you didn't know any better, because you also got the, the COA, which we'll dive into. But uh, yeah, I imagine that their smell might be a thing. I mean, the community around you. I'm just really curious about your experience of doing this in a state where it's not maybe totally accepted yet. 
Yeah, man. So we're in a small town up here called Maynardville, very small town. So as far as the smell goes, we're right on a highway. And so we don't have much concern there. There's not any residential houses. But funny story is my business partner went to the town meeting about a year ago and uh, everybody was there, the police, and they thought we were legit growing marijuana here and had a loophole and just shipping it out of state. And they were fine with it because we were bringing jobs to the town. <laughs> and we were like, oh, no, that's not what we're doing. You know, it's hemp. So, yeah. But everybody's really been supportive, at least in this town. Um, yeah, so far, so good. I think everybody's in favor for it. So hopefully here soon the state will wake up and we'll get some sort of medical or something. Sure. Well, then I kind of want to get nerdy and dive into some things. How did you get your hands on these incredible genetics with almost no THC and really high CBD counts? So when we started or when I started growing indoor hemp about four years so ago, I saw the genetics were getting there, you know, to have a smokable flower. And since then, I've just been pheno hunting looking for the best genetic companies in the country. And there's probably a good handful or so that do it well. And since then, so four years later, we're still working and crossing different genetics and just getting better and better. So it's just definitely a process, but, and we're way behind the marijuana industry, but we're trying to catch up pretty quick. And it's yeah. also fun, you know, messing with other cannabinoids. So. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to dive into the certificate of analysis that does that come with every purchase that anyone ever gets? Yeah. So we send yeah, exactly as a QR code and they can scan that and it'll go to our website. We have all our COAs on there yeah. that we sell online. That's great. Uh, I appreciate that you actually printed it out and sent it along with me. That was fun for me to sift through all that. It's, and so what are some of your more favorite phytocannabinoids that you're trying to boost up in percentage? All right. Now we just discovered some uh, genetics with high CBC. So that's a new one that we're diving in and seeing what kind of medical value it has. Uh, CBG is another one that I prefer. It's a, it's a upper, almost like drinking a cup of coffee. Um, those two, we're trying to also do, you cross that with like a CBD and having a multi-different uh, ratio plant, you know, have a little bit of everything to get a full spectrum, like a true entourage effect. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I know I'm in my early 40s now. A lot of my buddies that were happily recreationally smoking cannabis back in the day it like a lot of people it kind of crept up on them with the high thc counts and they can't smoke it anymore because it gives them too much anxiety but they miss the experience that the taste of the flower and the terpene to be able to smell it and and i was like hey guys <laughs> i turned them out to flow gardens i was like if you miss that experience you can still get it without any of the crazy anxiety that you might still get now has this been part of what you've seen with a lot of your customer base, hearing anything like that? Uh, definitely. Definitely. Like up until this year, we were able to do one-to-one ratios, THCA and CBD. And uh, our customers were just raving about it. And me as well. That's been my focus is because until you've tried that kind of flower, it's like an eye-opening experience because you get all the effects of a marijuana strain, but not the bad effects like the paranoia, the anxiety, the confusion. The CBD helps mitigate that and makes it a much more level-headed buzz. So, yeah, I love those strains. Yeah, almost it's not quite in, 
I wouldn't call it intoxicating. Just, uh, exactly. I don't know, um, lifting more than anything. Just getting your mind right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just relaxed and it just felt great. I was like, this is incredible. What's going on right now? Yeah. You definitely get a good head change from it. People don't understand that. All the terpenes and everything else that we focus on in that plant, it gives you a lot of beneficial effects for sure. Yeah. Now was one of the things that drew me to Flow Guards Matthew was and looking at what Eric started with his idea and what he believed in is yeah, we don't, we can't legally grow over 0.3% delta nine uh or, or THC, but what we can do is do a heck of a lot of research that uh, for all these alternative ca uh, cannabinoids. So the CBC, the CBG, as opposed to if this were a legal state, we'd probably be focused uh, a lot more on THC to help drive revenue, keep the business up and going. So it is a lot more difficult to operate in such a you know unknown area because you got to take a lot of re research, you got to document a lot of stuff, make make sure you have everything indexed. But you know we're discovering so much that you know a lot of these other medicinally and rec approved states just don't they don't have a focus on like you said it's a race to the top to the highest percentage 30 31 percent thc and then um <laughs> then you can barely take a hit yeah yeah corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah poor grandma she's fallen over <laughs> and all we wanted to do was help her with her glaucoma you know this is not cool yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's really fascinating. It, I mean, as far as the research goes, it, we've got over 30,000 published papers on the medical benefits of cannabis. And for the high THC, the majority of the benefit that we're seeing is around pain, which is important and critical. But so much of the other research that's being done is revolving around the other cannabinoids. And it feels like you guys are in a unique opportunity to... Uh, expose to play with and to help the public understand better what is going on with these other minor cannabinoids. And so what you mentioned the research, what are you guys doing in terms of m the medical research, the health and wellness? Is there languaging that you have to be careful of because of what you're doing? Um, I get that was a bunch of questions. I'm sorry, pick and choose, go for it. No, that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, the language part, we definitely have to be careful, especially online with DFDA. You can't, obviously, you know, probably you can't make any claims, medical claims. So we're very careful with how we word it. We just use the words maybe uplifting or something before bed type of deal. But um, as far as the research, we're just finding more data on these cannabinoids and then also our different grow methods on growing the plant. It's funny to see one strain or one genetic in a living soil room what it looks like, what the flower looks like, and then you grow it in like a top feed rock hole room and the flower takes on a whole nother shape, a whole nother structure. And that to me is super interesting. I know that wasn't your question, but. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Yeah, that's fascinating for me too. Um, I've spent most of my time with soil or soilless, like a cocoa husk medium. And and I, a little bit with rock wool as well. I'm curious how, what are your thoughts around why the plant morphology would shift so much based on a, a soil mixture or a hydroponic sort of growth method? I feel like in hydroponics, you're basically force feeding your plant. 
So it's like if you were to go to McDonald's and eat Big Macs every day, you know, you're going to take on a different form than if you were eating all organic. And when they're growing in the soil, the plant takes up what it needs. You know what I mean? So I think that's a lot of it for sure. Yeah. Interesting. And what are you preferring to use? Are you still doing a mixture of both soil and hydro? Yeah, we're doing all we got um, just the one living soil room. And that's where I do all the pheno hunting. And then we have a deep water culture room, uh, flood and drain room, top feed room. And we also have a double tier room uh, to try out that as well. And honestly, I, I prefer the rock wool room over the organic soil, in my opinion. Yeah. Just Sometimes the living soil, the, the flower gets too dense. And then you have to deal with mold issues and just the way it smokes. That's just my preference, though. Sure. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, and what about the health and wellness benefits? What are you seeing for yourselves and family and friends? And then also from hearing from your customers about what the experience they're having. We just have, Matthew, there's, there's countless stories as far as of our 5,000 or so retail customers that we have online, things that they've shared with us, how it's helped them pain or uh, a condition that they, that we have, they have. Um, a lot of our wholesalers that we deal with in, in California, North Carolina, several other states, um, they've, they've shared stuff with us that their customers have shared with them. It's, it's, it's just overwhelming to, to hear all these stories about how it's changing people's lives. Someone hasn't been able to walk for so long and then they tried this one-to-one or tried this high CBG or CBD strain and now they're now they can do something they haven't done in years yeah it's something i really didn't expect i just like growing the plant starting this thing but we get so many testimonials and it just brings more validation what we're doing you know we really are helping people and uh we're still learning ourselves with all these different cannabinoids what they do and how they benefit so it's just it's really neat yeah i would say that's true for all of us that are in this industry that there's still so much to learn even it, yeah yeah i mean it, it's i think a little more order would be helpful i think that it, it could be more helpful for the general public and for the entrepreneurs trying to get into the space because it's different everywhere that you are and it's complicated and you have to jump through all the hoops and do you feel like i i guess i'm still interested in the origin story is it was it cut and dry have you had any kind of interference from the FDA? Do you feel like this process was simpler because maybe you're dealing with hemp versus traditional cannabis? Yeah, I, I do believe compared to like a medical state, there's less regulation, even in, down to getting a license. It's only like a 12 page form. You know, it's like 250 bucks a year for your license. Super simple compared to like getting a marijuana license in another state where you know you have a book you have to fill out for the application and upwards of a million dollars for a license so it's definitely more relaxed as far as that goes and we really i mean knock on wood we really haven't had many issues at all we've had a lot of support in the state and overall for what we're doing yeah the tennessee department of agriculture has been very collaborative and friendly to yeah they want to see us succeed for sure they said that yeah, that's great. So this, okay, so personally, I believe that the the hemp bill did a big disservice to 
people that work with the cannabis plant. Number one, because it's like, oh, this is hemp and this is cannabis or marijuana. And it's like, no, no, no. It's all the same plant. Just one has a far lower amount of THC. It, do you find yourself having to educate the public a little bit around this? Or what's your stance on all of it? Cannabis is cannabis, whether it's CBD only, whether it's type one, type two, or type three. I mean, it's, you're right. It's all cannabis. And, you know, I guess it, it's, and I'm, I'm not this old, but, you know, the war on drugs, there wasn't, wasn't old enough to understand what was going on, at least, you know, the war on drugs and all those negative connotations where they actually called it marijuana and called it pot. Like it's, it's kind of removing a lot of those stigmas from the industry. So people understand, like you said, cannabis is cannabis. Yeah. And how <laughs> important it is to, I'm oh, sorry, say it again. I don't know if that answered your question or not, but sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm just curious, like, do you have to call it just hemp? Are you allowed to call it cannabis? Or they're just, I'm curious about the regulations surrounding. Uh, yeah, I like calling it cannabis. That's what the scientific name for it. Right. Yeah. On our jars, it says cannabis. I try to get away from the word hemp, even though it's what we're growing technically. And hemp doesn't have a bad connotation around it. It's just it's almost like you, at least me, like when I, whenever I hear hemp, I'm like, all right, somebody made some sandals or, right. or a t-shirt or yeah. purse from it. No, it's not super high quality. Like you said, stinky, terpene, rich, uh, rich buds. Yeah. I mean, in a marketing standpoint, we're growing smokable flowers. So when they hear the word hemp, it's like, huh? It's almost confusing. <laughs> yeah, you know? I would imagine that. We, I like using the term, you know, high CBD cannabis. Is that so are you is? smoking rope or are you yeah. smoking? Yeah, <laughs> it's confusing. <laughs> you see the look on their face? <laughs> yeah, it's a very different thing. It, it brings different things to mind when you hear it. It's it, absolutely true. Like I would never think of what you guys are producing as hemp. That would not at all. No one's making a rope out of it, so that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the plant morphology, right? So Eric, you're you're the cultivator. You you've got a lot of experience with this and this is something that I feel like I've heard from a lot of the experts that I talk to and almost that I'm fighting against the industry with. And that is the morphological distinctions between indicas and sativas that have taken on this whole thing within the culture that an indica is a body high, a sativa is a mind high, when it has nothing to do with it. That's just the way the plant is shaped. Um, I noticed that you did, you do carry that on with your packaging and was just curious about your thoughts around that whole subject. So, yeah, we do that on the packaging more or less just because that's what the customer's asking for. We get it all the time, indica sativa. If you ask me, I think it's just a myth. But indica sativa is a THC is THC, CBD is CBD. I believe that that feeling's coming from the terpenes, the flavonoids, all the different things in the plant, you know, and the different cannabinoids. Like, for example, CBD for us straight is an upper. So the sativas, I've seen test results, and most of them have high CBG with the THC. And then vice versa. If you're having indicas, you might have a, CB, a high CBD level in that plant as well. So there's a lot of different things that go into it other than just, you know, indica sativa. I think that's more of a feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, so it's more so like, that's the dichotomy that with all this, it's the customer generally speaking in the marketplace associates indica 
couch lock, relax. I can sleep on it. Sativa upper, you know, get, get stuff done type type. So if you put nothing, <laughs> how is like that, you know, it's better to put something than nothing, even though it's not, you know, completely accurate. So that's something that I just think a lot, a lot more science, a lot more research has to become known and published and that'll morph into something to where the customer can, you know, have more clarity on it, you know? Oh, sure. sure. We're still in very much the wild, wild west when it comes to what is this cannabis plant? Yeah. And I mean, I feel like the industry as a whole is going to, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, Matthew, but is going to focus more on terpene content and percentage on their packaging, like moving forward. I've heard a lot of talk about it. It's something we talked about. But like we're just talking, like David just said, you know, the data on that still isn't there. Like, is one certain terpene, what does it do? We don't really know for sure yet, you know? Yeah. So we just got to get there. Yeah. We're yeah just, just, I think the main thing with that, sorry to jump in, Matthew, but just to piggyback on his, his comment is that, you know, the endocannabinoid system was discovered in the early 90s. And so, like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, <laughs> Okay, like how long have we known about the circulatory system and GI system? I mean, so I mean, it's complex. People don't don't understand, and everybody's you know ECS is different when it comes to how do these different cannabinoids affect them? How do the different terpenes with those cannabinoids affect them? So the complexity there is just it's crazy, and and there's just there's got to be it needs to be descheduled. So there can be some real legit studies and it. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's a great point. Like this flower to me might put me to bed, but another person hit smokes it and it might, might make them want to clean the house, you know? <laughs> and I mean, I've experienced that firsthand. So then you're like, well, shit, now what? You know, you don't know what it is. Yeah. So. It's extremely personal. There's and to the point where companies are starting up that are, starting to line up your whole DNA sequence around your endocannabinoid system. It's, <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, well, yeah, because everybody's different. It's all going to be different. It, and even yeah. the cannabinoids don't play with the, the CB receptors. You know, like CBD will attach to all sorts of different receptors in your body, same as CBG. So it's like, we have no idea. There's going to be so exactly. much research that's actually necessary. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't agree more. And even to the point where, like, with the, the terpenes, and I think that a company like yours is doing an incredible service for the industry because we're finally able to remove ourselves from the THC side of things and really get to experience what these terpenes and the combination that you are having them in, how they affect you. And it's almost like it's, for me, it's like a brand new learning experience of self-experimentation. And I think that that is an incredible service that you're offering to the industry. Thank you, man. Yeah, and it was it's almost a blessing in disguise and discovered by accident because this is what we we have to deal with. You know, I just want to grow the plant and this is the only way I can grow it. But at the end of the day, it's a blessing because we're finding all kinds of things we never even thought we'd find. And like you said, hopefully that'll help the THC market as well. Educate them and understand it doesn't have to all be THC, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's I where that's whenever true. it does legalize in Tennessee, that's where we can really change the platform and the conversation with the consumer is it's whenever I go to Colorado, California, Washington, 
you know, a lot of the more progressive states where it has been legalized for a while, it is really hard to find one-to-ones, you know, part THC, part CBD. And if we start the education and the conversation differently when it's legalized with all this information, then that's what I would really like to see is, and even a one-to-one-to-one-to-one, THC, CBD, CBG, CBC, you know, and have them understand, like, this isn't just about getting you, like, smashed. (laughs) Um, it's, It's about, you know, what the moderation of the different cannabinoids can do for your body and your mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the terpenes too. It's almost as if cannabis has allowed us to rediscover these old time things with essential oils and, and the different olfactory things that happen because of what we're able to do with these terpenes. And I don't know, I feel like there's an opportunity to just work with terpenes themselves and start to understand how they play with each other in different amounts and dosages. And I'm endlessly fascinated by it. It seems like you guys are playing with it every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fun growing all these different vinos and you, that's what I, one of the things I look for, one of the most important things is the smell. I always say smell sells and all the new, something new is going to sell because nobody smelled it before. And that's just the terpenes, you know, and then the effects come after that, you know, what are, what are those? So it's, it's like Christmas every day in that room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's fun. So, okay. So um, how are you staying ahead of the curve with all the genetic research? Uh, just that, just, just find a new genetics, phenol you know, hunting. Uh, we just got done with our first crosses in there doing new seeds. Uh, so here soon we're going to test those. And if those are stable, we're going to start our seed line selling seeds. So that's how we stay ahead is just coming up with the newest cannabinoids, you know, ones that smell good type that, that's something that they haven't had. And, um, that's, that's how we stay ahead. And we don't really know what to expect other than if we just do it for the right reasons and know that it's uncharted territory, we're going to, we're going to stumble upon, you know, luck. Well, I said, luck is hard work and opportunity meeting. So we're going to luckily stumble upon something like he, you know, stumbled upon a pretty high CBC plan. We got a ridiculously high CBG plan, you know, a couple of weeks ago is terpene levels on the terpenoline was, more than double of the high, the high end of the decile for terpene levels is at like 5%. It's just under that. So, I mean, we just keep doing things like that and keep refining our systems and our processes with how we want to do our research. Then I think 10, 15, 20 years from now, it's just going to be game changing. I think so. Hopefully for the whole industry. Yeah. And the R and D aspect of things in some ways it's a pain in the ass because you have to wait a couple months before you really find out what's going on. Yeah. But in other ways it's a blessing because you don't have to wait until next year to find out what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We've been started that this year. Well, I've always been R and D, but we really went deep. Like I've probably 50 or so different genetics in now and we're almost halfway through the year. And since then we already have, the first round in production. So we're moving very fast. Like I'll, before I put them in the flower room, I take a cut of each one for the genetic. And then as soon as I find it in the flower room, like say 20, 30 days in, I see something special, whether it's the smell, the structure, the combination of both. I take that clone, 
locate it and then stick it in a in the mother system and go ahead and make it a mother. So by the time that original seed is done flowering, I already have cuts of it going in another flower room in like a three month period or four sure. month period. So, yeah, so you're on another way to it. Yeah, you just have to have your foot on the gas. That's the other way we stand. Sure, <laughs> sure. The whole time, yeah. And I like. I mean, as soon as you start to show something unique, then that's the point to jump and not have to wait till the full flowering cycle's over. Is that right? That's right. And then still, there's all. Then you have to dry the flower and see how it finishes. You know, it could be beautiful, smell gorgeous, and taste like shit. And then at that point, it's you know you trash it. So right. and then after that, we run it in a small production and see how it does in Rockwell. And then if it passes that test, then we can put it in production as long as there's no, you know, hermaphrodites and stuff like that. Yeah. So something that I encountered um, in my journey as a cultivator was I started to notice that when I would have more than one strain in a room, they would start to take on components of the other strain that was growing with them. And it got to the point where I was like, I can't, I mean, I can't go to the dispensary and show this to them. And they're going to be like, well, this isn't AK 47. I was like, I swear it is, but I was growing in the same room as super silver haze. I guess maybe they took on the characteristics. And so I just went to a purely a one strain room after that, just to ensure the quality of what was going to be sold to the dispensaries. Have you come across anything like that? Uh, I have. I, I believe that uh, I've grown THC and CBD plants in the same soil bed. And I think that might be how I found the banana mac strain because it was a THC strain, period, encapsulator. And for some reason, it was an anomaly and it came out with 12% CBD and right under 5% THCA. And that kind of started the whole THCA market last year. So I definitely have seen that. And then I've heard about people growing them in the same beds and they've taken on, you know, different smells, but I haven't experienced that one yet. Yeah. I hope you I, don't. I totally think it can happen. Yeah. Cause you have a lot of different phenotypes going at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. A yep. lot. There's yep. probably 400 seeds in there at all times. Yeah. yeah the choices <laughs> on the website are incredible. Just such a diverse yeah. choice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Mind boggling. Um, and what about competition? Have you found many other folks that are are putting the pedal to the metal like you are in this in the specific side of the industry? Yeah, there. Yeah, there's the the really good seed breeders. They're definitely right up there. I mean, that's who we depend on to get these genetics. You know, so we work side by side. Uh, and then there's also indoor facilities popping up. I believe four years ago, and I started this thing. I was the first or one of the first doing indoor hemp. Um, but now, yeah, the competition, I don't see anybody doing pheno hunts like we're doing now, you know, they're basically growing the same variety over and over again. And so I think that's where they're missing, missing out a little bit. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the numbers in December of 2021 was the smokable hemp flower market was about $8 million in sales. Um, so, I mean, the market is only so large and we, we own a large part of that. Now, one thing that that didn't factor in is all this, you know, sprayed flower with, you know, Delta eight or whatever it might be. That's, that's not included. And so we're, we're really in a niche market right now is high quality indoor grown hemp and, you know, knowing that that's, that's just going to do nothing but increase in, yeah. I think a lot of it's education. I mean, there's yeah. so many people that don't even know this exists, you know? 
So I think we're just at the infancy of this whole thing, you know, just scratching the surface. Sure. Is like that you, mentioned earlier, you mentioned earlier in the show, sorry, about your friends that still, you know, they enjoy it, but they, they're getting older and they can't smoke THC levels like that anymore. And I think that's what this appeals to most of our clients or that same demographic. Yeah. Cause it's so important. You know, so <laughs> me included. <laughs> right. Yeah. Me too. Like I, I want to be able to function. I, you know, I, yeah. I help run a business at this point. I have to stay on point to talk to really intelligent people like you for the podcast. Like I can't, I can't be that cloudy. There's just no way I can't do it. And so finding an alternative that still gives me the experience that I love and so much from high school, but I'm able to still function like a, a proper adult in society is important. Exactly. Very cool. So what's coming next for y'all? Well, we have a lot of new varieties coming out. Like the end of July, I think, is when we're in full production of the new phenons that we found. So that's going to be super interesting to see how they do. I think they're going. We got some crazy good stuff coming. Like really good plants coming down the road here. Um, that and then making seeds, starting that seed company, and um, yeah, just keep on pushing forward, finding new cannabinoids, finding new golden eggs. Yeah, so I guess I'm curious about, um, and maybe this will be more in your wheelhouse, David, but the education piece that you mentioned, do you have anything on the horizon to to help, I don't know, become an activist within the space? Yeah, so we've, uh, we're part of a bipartisan political action committee, Tennessee Growers Coalition, and that is just to educate the, the public um, and educate the politicians as far as the cannabis plan is concerned. So going down to the General Assembly in our capital in Nashville, just knocking on senators and local senators and local representatives' offices and getting in their minds, seeing what those you know negative experiences are, their positive experiences, and and, and educate them where you can. Because if if the politicians aren't educated, then it it doesn't really matter. And right now that's what's happening in Tennessee is that because whenever I, I probably went into a couple dozen politicians office uh, back in April and almost all of them were for medicinal. A lot of them were, were against rec at this point, mm -hmm. um, but all of them were for medicinal. But you go, you look at the top and the the conversation is, oh, th this entire assembly is, is not for marijuana and nothing is going to happen. It's it's frustrating the uh, the amount of change that needs to happen uh, so the people can actually get what they want. Uh, they actually turn down a question for the voters that's coming up in the state of Tennessee that said, "Do you approve or disapprove of uh, marijuana, medical or rec, in any form being legalized?" And they wouldn't even allow it on the ballot. And as you probably know, that study has consistently now come in at 70 plus percent about the people that approve it. Now, whether they want to do it or not, or whether they think it should be approved for others to decide is, you know, anyway. So there's, I think a lot of old school thinking just needs to, to be more educated um, or just get out of office. Yeah. <laughs> and once that happens, then, so that's, a, that's your long answer for how we're facilitating change, just trying to educate the politicians and then the people, because mm -hmm. I think the people for the most part are, already know. Well, I mean, you would think, but like I said, what you guys are doing, I don't, not enough people know about it. 
it, uh, there's got to be some fantastic marketing strategy you can use to get the public to understand that this is a very real, beautiful experience that you can have with cannabis flower that doesn't have the same sort of effects that you would get at the dispensary in, in Michigan or Colorado. And I'm, cu- I'm curious, Matthew, what um, I just don't recall what strains did our uh, lady send you? To- oh, I've got it all right here. Hold on. Okay, so we got um, there's an OG grapefruit sour lifter and sour suver haze. Okay, yeah, so that grapefruit is, is really uplifting. That sour suver is what has about five percent terpenaline in it. Uh huh. Um, yeah, this this is some really good ones. It did, and that OG like it, it put me on the couch. That was like this. Uh, <laughs> that, that was real. What's that? The OG is that the orange glaze? It it does. All it says is OG. Okay, that must be what that is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. Sorry. Yeah, our orange glaze just won the Emerald Cup, so that's that's probably what it was. Yeah, it's all fantastic, and like I said, getting these printouts was priceless you should have seen the smile on my face when i opened up that box it's like this is incredible this is what i've always wanted to see every time i've ever purchased anything from a dispensary and and it's all right there i mean even to the point where like you get the the primary aromas of of showing you exactly what the terpenes are and what effects you can expect from from an olfactory sense it's just so cool it really is just so cool yeah that being said they should do that in legal markets you know if you're buying a product it should give you like an ingredients list like what's in it you know yeah and they don't do that. i never thought about that they don't do that i mean even something as a courtesy to people who are walking into dispensaries like okay so maybe you use your qr code but they all have these ipads not all of them but most of these ipads up there for menus and things like you should be able to bring up that coa right there know exactly what yeah. you're getting yeah yeah anyway Yeah, we've got a long way to go before the industry is exactly the way it needs to be. But I guess we're getting closer. Count your macros, count your cannabinoids. We need need all those ingredients listed. Exactly. Know your cannabinoids. Know that that's a word. Yeah, Yeah, it's a big deal. Cool. Um, So I guess, yeah, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience before we start moving towards wrapping this up? Um, I mean, you can find our products, go to flowgardens.com or you can find us on Instagram at uh, flowgardens420. So two places you can find us. Awesome. We'll definitely put all that in the show notes with all the links for that so everybody can find them pretty easily. And then I have one question that I like to ask everybody. And that is if you could see one change, I mean, of all the things that we talked about that need to change, if there's one that you think would have the most impact on the medical cannabis industry, what would that change be? Incorporating other cannabinoids in their flower, like CBD specifically. Like personally, it's changed my way of smoking flower. So that would be the one change for sure. And for you, David? Yeah, yep. I would say, um, I guess his is, more, his is more a little broad stroke, mine's a little more technical. It's just deschedule. It is a, Class one substance, or I may be saying that, that wording incorrectly. Schedule but, one, but yeah, yeah. There you go, mm-hmm. and do that. Then the money's going to 
start flowing where it needs to and the proper research can be done. Things will happen the way they need to with states, but the federal government needs to just realize that they've made a mistake putting it as a schedule one because it isn't. <laughs> right. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. Yeah. And even that there's there's three different FDA approved cannabinoid based drugs that are all schedule three. So it's like, come on, guys, you're contradicting yourself right out the gate here. So get your shit together. Let's do this right. Yeah. But it's not a, not a schedule one. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's, yeah, descheduling, rescheduling education around <laughs> cannabinoids, whatever, like all these things are so critical. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate your time. I'm glad I got a chance to sample your product and I'm hundred percent. I already have started sending people to your site and get the texts I've been getting back from them has been hilarious. Like, Oh my God, where have these guys been my whole life? I can't believe the treasure chest you just opened up for me. You know, it's so it's been fun for me just to, to share the amazing things that y'all are doing. Thank, well, you. thank you. We appreciate you having us on and Look forward to connecting with you in the future as well. If you ever need anything, just let us know. That's great. I will sure. certainly do that. Appreciate y'all and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks, Matthew. Take care. Thank you, folks, for hanging out to the end of this episode. I hope that you learned a lot from Eric and David. I had a good time talking to them. It's always fun for me to rap with cultivators that I'm a still a grower at heart and these guys are doing some amazing stuff i really really loved how eric is out there just hunting phenotypes trying to find new cool strains crossing strains trying to bring more product to the public and you can get this stuff delivered right to your door it's really incredible so please go check out their website flowgardens.com maybe order a sampler pack so you can see for yourself what these fellas are up to and i guarantee you will not be disappointed this flower is spectacular so go do that and until next time my friends stay healthy please whatever you do enjoy yourselves (laughs) 